The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey guys, before we dive into this episode, I want to mention show sponsor Baby Trend. Now, I know this is a company that you're probably already aware of. It's one that I used heavily when my two boys were little, especially for their car seats and their strollers. And they're just out now with a new stroller called the Race Tech Jogger. Now, you can only find this at Target, so purchase it there. But it has everything that you'll need to make your run as comfortable and smooth as possible. Not that running with a child is ever easy, but when you have the right gear, it makes it more possible. So they have all-terrain tires for smooth push. And one of my favorite features of this stroller is that the handlebars are adjustable. So no matter your height, you're going to get it at the right level for you. So you're not straining your back. You're already pushing, you're working out. You don't need to be straining your back because you're trying to go out and do a good thing for you and your baby. And it's compatible with most baby trend car seats. So you have options as well. So head on over to target.com and check out the baby trend race tech jogger today. You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so glad that you're here, as always. And if this is the very first time that you've ever tuned in, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. And you'll find as you go through the past episodes, you know, we talk a lot about health and spirituality and and stress, but at the heart of almost every show is the theme of self-love and self-care. And that's what today's episode is because I think it's just, it's so incredibly important, you know, especially if you're a busy mom, that you bring the awareness in of, of how much you have been loving yourself and taking care of yourself because it's not just about you. Yes, you need to to tune inward, to, to know yourself, but there's greater implications because of that. You know, you're going to be a better mother when you're loving and nurturing yourself. You're going to be a better employee or business owner if you're doing that. Um, there's just, there's far reaching implications that happen when you tune in and really take care of yourself and love yourself. And I'm a living testament of that. And my guest today is also a living testament to that. And her name is Melody Godfrey. She's a mom and author and founder of Fred and Far, which is a self-love movement empowering women all over the world. And having hit every milestone she had ever dreamed of, she had a great career as an attorney, she had a husband, she has two beautiful twin girls, she had a home, she was still shocked to find out that she felt lost, unhappy, and disconnected from her true, authentic self. And that was because she wasn't engaging in self-care, she wasn't loving herself, it wasn't even on her radar. So this episode is going to teach you how to tune inward, why that's so important, and give you an example of someone out there in the world who was on a certain track and then said, hey, you know, hold on, this isn't, this isn't right, this doesn't feel right. And, and she made different decisions because she really just took the time to love herself and to even examine what that means to her. So I hope this episode inspires you. If it does, please share it with a friend and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy. Well, hello, Melody. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you, Liz. It's so good to be with you. Yeah, so diving right in, I have to have to know the origin story of Fred and Far. Take us back. How did it come to be? 
So it was really a reaction to motherhood more than anything else. I was in my early 30s. I had hit every milestone. I was married. I had a great career. I had, you know, I was a litigation attorney. I had twin daughters who were incredible, a house, a dog, check, check, check. You know, the overachiever in me had achieved it all. But what I didn't realize is that I had left myself behind along the way. There was no part of my day, no part of my thoughts that were connected to who I am, what I need, and how can I live in an authentic whole way within myself. And so that was really jarring, you know, to have everything and not be happy doesn't feel good at all. And I thought, okay, I need to shake things up. It was 2015, the start of a new year. And I've always used jewelry as a way to commemorate milestones in my life. So I thought, okay, what if I treat myself to a new piece of jewelry? I put it on a new finger, my pinky. I'd never worn a pinky ring before. <laughs> and every time I look at it, I'm going to ask myself, how are you choosing yourself today? And as someone who is married, I had already experienced firsthand the power of a ring that signifies commitment. My engagement ring was on my hand every day and reminded me of my commitment to my partner and my family. So this was my opportunity to do the same thing, but for myself. And when it worked, within a month, I was making new decisions regarding my mental health, my physical health, my spiritual health. I thought there has to be something here that I can offer other women as well. Mm -hmm. And that's how it started. It was one ring for me. And then now it's one ring for the world. Well, I love that. And I think that that is so common. You know, when you see these great transformation stories of people really setting out first healing themselves and then wanting to bring that to other people, it's always because we were in these like dark places, you know, and we had to go through it. But do you remember, I mean, the moment where you were like, I have to shake things up. Can you, do you remember that moment? Can you talk to us about that? It was, I think, a lot to do with the whole new year, new year, mess, new year, new you messaging that we all get inundated with all the time. And it was in January and I was getting bombarded with that message. And all of a sudden I realized I don't want a new you. I want the old me. I want the me that existed before I was drowning in responsibilities. I wanted the me that would delight because I read a poem or listened to a song at full blast driving down the street. I wanted the me that would be able to be so present that there was no mental load checklist running in the background of my mind at all times. So that was really it, like that juxtaposition of, oh, you should try to be something new and realizing, no, I just wanna be myself. Like, where is the me in this life and how do I reclaim that person? I love that. When do you think it started to happen where you started to drift away from your true self, who Melody really was? Was it college? Was it you know law school? When did it start to happen? So I was growing up a very, very creative child. I was playing the piano and writing music when I was four years old. And I was singing and creating, and that was my identity. You know, when I was in first grade, my teacher asked all of us to start a journal and write, who do we want to be when we grow up? And I wrote Whitney Houston. Like, <laughs> I sing and create and be on a stage and connect with people. And 
what ended up happening is when I got a little bit older, maybe fourth or fifth grade, I started getting triggered to be more ambitious and to be the smartest and to climb the ladder of academic success. And that started pulling me in a different direction. And that carried on for a very long time because even though I applied to college and studied music, I also studied business to hedge my bets and make sure Mm -hmm. I was a safe choice. And I didn't really want to go to law school. I was having this existential crisis, like about what I want to do with my life. And because I was uncertain, and at that time, law school seemed like such a, again, a safe bet, I did it. And I kept choosing the ego-driven, socially acceptable, ambitious, like quote unquote, ambitious choice, instead of choosing the authentic choice. And what's really incredible about Fred and Far is that it has brought me full circle back to who I am, which is a creative person who thrives on connecting with other people. And this past October, I published a book of poetry. And if you had asked my seven-year-old self, what do you want to do, writing would have been at the top of the list because that's when I started writing songs and poetry. So even the dedication of my book, it's dedicated to my childhood self. And I Mm. tell myself like, we did it. Like here we are back home where we belong. Oh, I love that. I just got such strong chills from that because, (laughs) well, and I think anyone listening to this understands on some level, whether they're still in that space where they're not really being their authentic selves, but they don't really know what to do. Everyone can kind of touch back and think about who they were as a seven-year-old child and what they love to do and what brought them joy. And I think that's really the beginning, you know, of, of making these changes in, in the present moment, because that's all we really have. I think that's so beautiful, but I mean, I read somewhere that you said, you know, having gone through law school, having done all that, I'm still grateful for that because it's really brought me where I am and given me the business acumen to to be able to do the pinky ring and then put out the book and do all these amazing things. So how would you, how do you reconcile, you know, the path that we have taken, the choices that we've made with finding our true selves? and, And is that all part of some grand plan in the end? It's all about owning your story every step of the way. I think what is the key to being whole is being willing to embrace even the parts that feel like it's out, like they're out of sync. So in my book, one of the poems that I wrote is, I finally found my rhythm when I realized even the steps back were part of the dance. And that is how I try to think of my life. I think of it holistically. And like you said, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't been an attorney. I wouldn't be here if I hadn't studied business and giving myself grace and not living in regret and instead living from a place of awareness and gratitude has allowed me to take steps forward in a way that I could never have anticipated. I could never have planned to be where I am today. And I'm so grateful for where I am. Yeah. Yeah. And actually you're getting a lot of star attention on your pinky ring. Talk to us about the moment where you had one of the people you idolize the most, uh, talk about the ring and, and share it with her audience. I love that story. It's easy from the minute I started Fred and far, and you can go back through my blog or my Instagram, you'll see 
that ever since 2016, Tracy Ellis Ross was always my number one muse, the person that I looked up to the most. And it has so much to do with the fact that when you look at her, both her public facing presence, um, whether it's on Instagram or in the roles that she takes, she is so deeply authentic and joyful. And it's such a delicious combination of things to witness someone who is so at home with themselves and so joyful about it that she was always my number one like dream. And, you know, she was on my vision boards. She, I would write about her. And I was really fortunate that um, at the end, uh, actually at the beginning of 2020, um, she wore the ring and posted about it. And she said, I'm married to loving myself. Mm. And to see her make that statement, again, with such authenticity and joy has been incredible. And what's also so special, and I give her so much credit, she's been such an open, loving advocate for me ever since we connected. And that's very rare, like to have someone who has so many followers, so much going on, but still holds space for the people who believe in her and she believes in them. It's very, very special. So that yeah. was my chills. Dream <laughs> <level>. <laughs> well, I love that you had like a vision board with her on it. And then that came to fruition because that just shows again, like how powerful the law of attraction is. And, and when we focus on something on anything, how we can truly achieve that. And you've done that, you know, clearly your whole life, but talk to me about the moment where, you know, you decide you're going to walk away from the law practice and do your own business, or maybe you still have one foot in and one foot out. Because I think for so many women listening to this, your story is inspiring. It is empowering, but it's like, uh, like, do I, do I do this for myself and risk, you know, my safe position, my safe job? How do you, how do you balance that, that feeling? So I, I think it's really important to acknowledge the privilege, right? So when I was a litigation attorney, I didn't have debt. So I am the first to say that what allowed me to walk away is that I had been able to save my salary and give myself a runway. And not everyone can do that. So I don't want anyone to walk away from this thinking that I'm preaching, just drop everything <laughs> and run and find your true self. There is this calculation yeah. of how can I make sure I'm safe while still exploring what my purpose is. So there was that. But what ended up happening for me is even though I would, I had really like truly a dream job straight out of law school, making an incredible salary at a very, very reputable firm. And I was excelling there. I was on like the fast track to success at that firm. My body was sending me signals every single day that this is not working. I started hallucinating at night before I would go to sleep. I would be in the state of like half awake, half asleep. And I would see spiders and I would see mm. people in my room and it kept getting worse and worse. And, you know, that eventually became something I couldn't ignore. And I'll never forget being in my office one night. It was maybe 11 o'clock at night. I was on the 20th floor with my ocean view and I was surrounded by stacks and stacks of paper that I was tasked with reviewing. Because as an early attorney, that's much of what you do is document review. And I felt my soul like leave my body and look down at me and be like this, like, this is how you're going to spend your life. This is how you're going to use your creative soul. And it, I, I never was able to shake that feeling. 
Um, so I left, but I'll tell you, I made a lot of practical choices after that. It wasn't like I left and was like, I'm just going to write poetry on the corner and <laughs> finds me. I started, um, a writing consulting company called write and color. And I started writing anything and everything for anyone I could. And, and those early days were really hard. I remember in retrospect, I wrote a book for someone once for $600, like an entire book. Wow. Um, but that was the hustle that I needed to make sure that I was going to be okay. And while I was doing jobs for other people, I started writing for myself on the side and really cultivating my skills and my ability to, you know, connect and network and grow as an entrepreneur. And all of that set the foundation for Fred and Far about five years later. So it was this, you know, it was a long road and it's funny because now that I have this new poetry book, Self-Love Poetry, it did really well. Like when I launched it, it became a number one new release on Amazon. It became a bestseller. And I was talking to someone and I said, yeah, look, I'm a 10-year overnight success. Like, <laughs> totally what happened is just 10-year overnight success. Yes. So if you are someone who is debating like, how do I honor my true self? The best thing to do is start cultivating that while you have your job, whatever your day job may be, nights, weekends, even an hour a week. Like if you were to spend an hour a week devoted to just indulging your joy and exploring, like you said, like what made you happy when you were seven? How can you incorporate that into your life? You can slowly start figuring out how do you make that a safe transition for yourself into your next step. Yeah, at least open the door to that possibility. I think yeah, that that's such a fun know. thing. Opening that door might actually awaken something in your established career path. It might mm -hmm. allow you to be more fulfilled in the work that you're doing without necessarily needing to do a 180 um, move. Right. And I think that's something important to mention too, is there's so many possibilities now, especially, you know, in COVID where everyone's at home anyway, like we have the time and the space and who knows who would be open to your creative ideas, you know, as they come, what you could offer. I mean, we really do become full people. I think when we are, we're doing what makes us happy and what brings joy. It's all about knowing what that is. And that's a really hard question. And I think the reason creating the pink earring, the self-love pink earring was helpful for me is that having this sparkling physical reminder that I had to put on every single day made me accountable. It made me ask the question, what makes you happy? How are you caring for yourself today? How are you prioritizing yourself? How are you balancing your true self against the list of responsibilities that never seem to end? Um, and I, I am the first to say, and you can read it on my website, you don't have to buy anything to love yourself. And I think it's really important to make that distinction because sometimes people might find out about Fred and Far in a Facebook ad and they don't see the depth of the community and the content and the sisterhood really that we've built. So they just write it off and think, oh, this is just another gross marketing ploy. Um, and I can see how it comes across that way. But I will say that for the women who join us, who need this reminder, not just of their own worth, but of an entire global community of women who support them, it makes a difference to have something that sparkles at you all day long and reminds you that you deserve a place in your own life. Oh, absolutely. And I love that you've taken like the self-love platform, that message. Does it ever feel like 
it's hard to keep it fresh or it's hard, you know, it's like, oh, we're talking about this again, you know, and it is such like a self-care self-love is very big right now, you know, and all the holistic world, even in, you know, the more commercial worlds, how do you keep it fresh? What keeps you inspired each and every day? Being a mother, I think, is an incredible source of inspiration. I, I'll i tell you, like 20% of the, the poetry I write on Instagram now is because they said something um, that just inspired me to look at life through a new lens. And, you know, they do that. They just, they're not at all operating from a place of ego or okay. fear they're in the exact moment that they're in and they're so fearless about being honest that they'll say things. I'll be like, Oh my God, like definitely stealing that. Like my daughter <laughs> has taken to writing poetry for me because oh. um, she sees that I write it and she'll be like, mom, you can use this. Like you can use this in your book if you want. And I'm like, definitely <laughs> well, thank you very much. That's awesome. That's amazing. And what a good That's example true. you're setting. Yeah. Well, they are self-loving women. My daughters, Stella and Violet, they're twins. They're eight and a half. And I started this when they were babies. And so their entire, you know, lifetime, basically, they've been exposed to this idea of what it means to be a self-loving woman. And that has always been my dream to, to raise a generation of women who don't have to heal their wounds because they never had those wounds in the first place because they are so connected to their truth and so understanding of the practicalities of what it means to practice self-care and self-love that they don't go through that painful adolescent phase of letting other people dictate their worth or place in the world. So I'm very excited to see, you know, what their experience is like as they continue to grow up. And this is tremendous work that you're doing just within your own home, but then scale that to a wider audience, which you're also doing. I mean, Imagine, I mean, I'm just blown away. Like imagine how much the world will change just by affecting, you know, these, these young women, these girls, because. Well, just think about it. Think about the narrative we've been taught about rings. The only ring you will ever notice on another woman is an engagement ring. And what does that ring signify? It signifies being chosen, right? And the bigger it is, the more worthy she is. That's the story that yeah. A, have you been chosen? And B, how much are you worth? And now there's a ring that women around the world are wearing where when their daughters, their sisters, their friends, their colleagues see it and ask, because they do ask, it's a very unique design. They can say to them, this is the ring that signifies that I've chosen myself and I love myself and I am worthy and whole and loved every day of my life. Mm, that's a different beautiful. story. And then what comes from that is you pick another whole souled person who is worthy and whole within themselves, whether it's a man or a woman, and you decide we're going to walk along life together. And um, there's this beautiful book by Shel Silverstein called uh, the, I think the big O finds its missing piece or something like that. It's a children's book, but it's really for adults and it's all about that concept that we are taught to find our missing piece. But when you're a triangle, you can't roll through life. It's only when you're a whole circle can you roll through life and make it through everything that comes your way. So it's all about finding that other whole soul person and, you know, flowing, I think, yeah. the goals. Can we flow together? 
I love that. And it's such a paradigm shift, like I said, from everything that we've ever been taught and seen in movies and TV. And it's all starting right now. It's a very exciting feeling, I think, to go. And like we're we're in this together as mothers. There's mothers all over the world who who follow you and believe this too. So I mean it can't it cannot have an impact in how we relate to each other, you know, as a global community. And I'm so grateful because because of the world we live in, I'm able to have impact on a global scale. Like there is nothing standing in the way for me to connect to Sally in Idaho or Samara in the Middle East. And I have connected with both of those kinds of women. And what, you know, to answer your earlier question of what makes it fresh is that when women buy this ring, they sign a pledge card and I ask them to share their story and women do. And I share those stories on my website and on Instagram. And even though what we're asking is the same, like for every woman to choose herself, how she gets there and what that means to her is always fresh. So that never gets old. Like witnessing and celebrating women in their unique stories is the greatest gift, I would say, of this entire experience for me. Yeah. And there seems to be a hunger for this all over the world. You know, we we grew up with different experiences, different cultures, but it's on so many levels, we're so the same. We're all craving that that love for ourselves. And I think we've we've convoluted it with a need to to get married, to check all the boxes, to do all the things. But really, the whole time we were just looking for self. Once you accept yourself, like the choices you make change. Right. And part of what was hard for me is. And I wrote about this very early on for HuffPost. There's a piece called How Self-Love Saved My Marriage. And to any of your listeners who are new mothers and are struggling with that new role and the impact it's having on their marriage, I really urge you to read it because I was so controlling and fearful and anxious and disappointed in myself and everyone else because I was so worried about how I was going to keep my preemie twins alive that it wasn't until I started practicing self-love that I was able to accept help from other people and love from other people and be willing to be in an imperfect messy life and still be okay and so I think that's another thing too for mothers self-love isn't just about giving to yourself, it's also about opening the door to receiving from others, which is transformative. It's everything. I mean, it's literally moving from a place of fear to love within all of your life. If there were any, I could just end on that, but if there were anything that you would want to leave to my audience of women all over the world, the Sallys and the Samiras, what would that be? Um, It's never too late to come home to yourself. You can never ever be too late to come home to yourself. And I, can, I can't say it any other way. And once you do, everything will come to you. I know there's a lot of fear in choosing yourself. It's oftentimes in our culture perceived as being selfish. Um, it's not. It's, it's your birthright to be happy and joyful and at peace with who you are. Um, So that's, you know, my wish for everyone is just to feel at home in their own experience. Well, you are absolutely doing that with, you know, all the work that you're putting out into the world. Where can our audience find you online and get the book and get the ring? Tell us all the things. 
So um, my community is called Fred and Far. That's the name of the website, fredandfar.com. And also my Instagram community is at Fred and Far. I invite you to join me there. I'm the only one who posts. I respond to every DM. I follow back every customer. It really is a community and it's where I enjoy creating new content every single day. And for my book, you can either get it on my website or if you search for self-love poetry on Amazon, you will find it. Every page is filled with my heart. It is a hundred pairs of poems, each on a central theme related to self-love. The left side of each page is for left brain thinkers. The right page, the right side of the page is for right brain feelers. And when you read each pair of poems, it activates the whole soul person in you. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. I just thought the poetry was beautiful. I didn't know about the left brain, right brain part. That's great. Melody, thank you so much for sharing your light with the world. Thank you for the work that you're doing. I'm so glad that you had that out-of-body experience in your law office all those years ago. Thank you. It's been a gift talking to you. I appreciate it so much. You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share it with a friend, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.